perfectly into the business world is life's hard, basketball's hard. You got to get past hard. Welcome to the a new edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, the Cusp Show. We talk about the business of sports, media disruption, leadership, technology, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito. My co-host, Tom Richardson, is off for the holiday. Uh, we are taping this between Christmas and New Year's, probably our last taping uh, for 2023. Uh, but I am joined by our able-bodied student assistant and, prof- and uh, professor, student assistant and engineer, Mike Schroeder. Mike, welcome back. Thank you again, Professor. Happy holidays, obviously post-holidays to you. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to be back. Love doing these shows with you. And again, as we've talked about many times when I've been on, the ability to talk to students about their experiences coming into Columbia, at Columbia. So Andrew's got a really unique story. I've known Andrew for a little while. He and I always talk sports. So this will be a yeah. very fun podcast for everybody to listen to. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I had mentioned on a previous podcast that we did with Monet Davis and when we did with Mike Gao that we may be building the best intramural basketball team in the history of intramural basketball teams if you guys could all just play together. So uh, another potential addition to that team is joining us today. Um, and, and I want to point something out. Um, we always talk about leadership, and, and I'm a big fan of watching and learning from coaches who are teachers, having spent so much time around courts and ice and tennis courts and uh, fields, you know, for not just my professional career, but really since I was very young and and didn't have the ability as much to play at a level, but always liked being around games. Um, And I have a a big affinity, not just for uh, the head coaches, but for the assistants and in, in on the college level and even on the high school level for the managers, because I was a manager for a long time. And I think that uh, when I walk around and I hear from people who happen to have been managers or walk-ons, you know, they have, they have a certain kind of background, a certain, certain kind of grit, a certain kind of passion that translate over into business. And if you look into our business world right now, obviously the one who jumps to the most recent mind of most people is the current owner of the Phoenix Suns and Mercury Medishbia, who walked on and uh, had, you know, a really interesting career, but it served for the basis of his career when he was at Michigan state. Uh, and when Mike and I were talking about um, guests, we wanted to have on and we bring on some of our students from time to time who have unique backgrounds. Uh, he found one and there's a similar walk on experience um, not at Michigan State, but at the University of Texas. And, and I'm really interested to learn more about that and also about this kind of um, halo effect and, and the world that, that he's been around, some pretty impressive coaches and what he's learned and also where he wants to go forward. Uh, so why don't you introduce our guest and we'll kind of go from there since you brought him on. Sure. So for everybody, this is Andrew Deitzer. He is a first-year member of the Columbia University Sports Management Program. Who, by the way, did not. He was smart enough not to take my class, which is very good. So, so yeah, yeah, he and I both need well, to do that. Well, well. <laughs> um, so yeah, we haven't done that yet. But anyways, Andrew is, like I said, first-year student in the cohort. He's from Houston, Texas, and played with a lot of really impressive around a bunch of impressive coaches which we'll get into like tj ford shaka smart to name a few and played two years for the texas men's basketball team as a preferred walk-on 
and now is, you know, hopefully going to join the reins with me in the spring for intramural basketball. But despite the point, he's in the program and really enjoys it. And he's got a great sports mind. So, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on to the Cuts Show today. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Professor. I'm really excited. Hope both y'all had a good holidays and enjoying this little break that we're getting from school. Um, first thing I need to say is I'm I'm pushing the IM team. I'm, I've been calling Mike a couple of times be like, hey, what's going on? I'm ready. I'm, I'm getting back in, into shape. Well, I'm attempting to get back into shape and I'm excited for it. Yeah, but no, I'm really excited for this. I've had it's, it's, a, it's a fun journey I've been on to get to Columbia. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Andrew, I don't know if you know, but we've had at least three graduates now in the coaching ranks in various places, actually probably four now. Um, one with G League Ignite, one at the University of Florida, one at North Texas, uh, one on the baseball side, on the baseball staff at Columbia. Um, why don't you take us through your, your kind of like journey? Because I really want to talk about what it's like to walk on and what that means. Cause I don't think most people realize it, um, especially at a high level school like Texas, but, but take us back through high school and then kind of how you ended up at UT and how that played out. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing to say is I've been a UT fan since I was born. I think like I was, I was in LA in 2006 for the national championship back in 2010 and I'll be in new Orleans for new years. But um, high school, I started to really like look at myself and be like, okay, I want to go play at the next level. And what does the next level mean for me? Is it, is it going the D three route? Is it going a prep school route? Is it going a walk on route? Is it going the low level D one route? Like, what is it to me? And I said, you know what, first, like, let, let's, let's look at the low major D ones and let's just, let's send out some video. Let's send out some emails, go to some camps and we'll see what happens. So before you did, where, where did you go to high school and how good were you in high school? Just to kind of start from there. So, yeah, I went to a private school called Kincaid. And uh, the, the thing about us every year is we talked about we have not won a state title since 1978. So we were trying to be that team and we never did. But I, my freshman year, I was on the freshman team, the JV year, or uh, my sophomore year got a little contentious and I was on JV and I felt like that was wrong. So I had to, I had to prove it that it was the wrong decision. And then junior year, I did not play until state playoffs. And then senior year I was hurt. So I have a, I, it was a really hard. And so at, at that point I knew like, okay, if I want to play at the next level, it's going to be the D3 route because I have a couple offers, and then or it's a walk-on. It's Sadly, I don't have enough film or tape. I don't have enough like face-to-face game outside of AAU basketball to go play at a mid-major, low-major. So I, I knew I wanted to walk on. I... I knew I did not really want to go the D3 route because especially playing a college sport that I'm sure Mike knows a lot about of it can be really, really hard. If you're not playing your social life's taking a little hit because this is, this is your job pretty much Mm -hmm. and school can be difficult and 
if everything's coming, if every perfect storm happens and you're just, you're struggling. So I said, you know what? I want to go to a place where I know I can have fun. I can, I know my expectations. I'm not going to play unless something great happens and I get to go to school. I've loved my entire life. And so that, that's a little bit of my journey of, of how I got to the thought process of wanting to walk on and obviously having an injury and playing six games your senior year is going to do that to you. But I'm, I'm so happy that it worked out the way it did. And I, I loved my time at Texas. So, so tell us about that. So you get to Texas and you should literally show up at the basketball office, Rudy like, and say, Hey coach, you don't know me, but I'm going to make your team. And, and did they have, you know, you've heard kind of the anecdotal stories about, you know, massive walk-on tryouts and manager tryouts and manager games. Uh, what was that like from when you got there? Because you said you 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 were part of the team for two years. Obviously, I would imagine it was your junior mm-hmm. and senior year. Um, uh, actually, no, it was my oh. freshman sophomore year. Okay, so so walk us through that whole process. Yeah, so like I said, I knew my junior summer. I just got hurt, and I knew I was going to walk on. Or I wanted to walk on, and. <laughs> I have a great mentor, TJ Ford, who helped me like walk through the process of he's like, get get into the school and then we'll worry about basketball. Like, who cares? Like, so I got into the schools I wanted to potentially walk on at and sorry. And I had a couple visits and they were fine. And then one day at school, the assistant coach, Jay Lucas, who he's a he's a dude now. Uh, called me and he's like, we, we, we'd love for you to walk on. Like, absolutely. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So now like I have my dream school wanting me to come walk on. Like this is now a no brainer decision. So I went for a little workout with all the coaching staff and in the summer and they're like, Oh no, you're on the team. This was just a formality. And I'm like, Oh, great. So started freshman year was kind of an in-between preferred walk-on and actual walk and regular tryout walk-on. And yeah, so I, I got there and got to work first day of school. So what does that mean between preferred walk-on and actual walk-on? Cause I have, I don't think most people would understand what that means at a school like this. Yeah. So a preferred walk-on is someone who is like more so recruited and, basically is like has the offer to come as they're like they don't go through the try the regular tryout process that everyone else goes through to get as a walk-on they're more recruited and be like we know you're really good and like if a scholarship spot opens up like it's yours Hmm. so i was that little in between of like they wanted me to walk on but i wasn't like the preferred Mm-hmm. Style walk on. So you wouldn't even have to you. Uh I'm listed six one. I think I'm closer to six three, but mm-hmm. um we'll we'll go in the middle and say I'm six two and I just grew from the last time my height was posted online. Cool. So so uh you walk out the University of Texas, obviously high level school in transition growing, had had a lot of you know, subpar or average years in men's basketball for, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, things obviously rebounding, no pun intended. 
back some pretty interesting coaches that you've already mentioned and would love you to kind of talk about the lessons you've learned from some of them. So what's it like? You know, tell us what, what like your freshman year was like on the basketball team at Texas. How did you manage things? How did you balance things? What, you know, what, what was, how did the academic side play into it? Um, what was it like for, for the time that you were there? Yeah, my freshman year was like one of the hardest years I've had. But like I, I look at it as like it was a grow up year. Like you're, I'm now by myself in college. Like I need to I need to grow up a little bit. So basketball was my number one priority. Sorry, school was my number one priority coupled with basketball. I knew from the time I stepped onto that court, I was not going to the NBA, sadly. But I knew I can do what I needed to do on the court and get my education, and that'd be best. So basketball and school were my priorities, and I took a little secondhand, like my social life took a little backseat to the rest, and I was in a fraternity, and I missed out on some relationships, but I, for, I would not change a single thing from my freshman year. I mean, there were some hard moments where I wish I was with them, but getting to go to New York with your basketball teams, a, a, a real fun event. And so it, it was hard. It was fun. And then it all came crashing down when we were in Kansas city for big 12 tournament. And the commissioner walks on the floor and says the game tournament are canceled. And wow. What, what's going to happen? So we, we sat in the locker room in Kansas city for three hours and looked at each other. Like, can we go play Texas Tech in a park? And they said, nope. We got back on a plane, and I went home, and I didn't know what was next. So that was – so So COVID was your, the, the end of your freshman year? Mm-hmm. We, we were like you, on the plane right. when they canceled the tournament. And then you came back sophomore year to play. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember, refresh my memory, like where was – where was that in terms of social distancing? Because there were some leagues, including well, the Ivy League, obviously the biggest one that didn't play that year at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what was that like for, from a, from a student athlete perspective? We were on campus during COVID. So, I, I all four years I lived off campus, okay. and I was with one of my good friends from high school, and we were in an apartment. And from late October to March, I didn't. I think the most I did was I'd go pick up food and I'd eat it in my apartment. I mean, I, I got, I, I played a little of my fraternity league uh, in basketball. We did a little of that, but other than basketball, I was not social at all. We, it was, we played mainly in empty stadiums, mm-hmm. which is the weirdest thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the weirdest thing I ever do, but mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of fun because you could hear everything from the other coaches, our coaches. Like it was awesome, mm-hmm. but it, we were. I had the little neck guard on mm-hmm. the sideline, and yeah. And then towards the end of the year, stuff started to open up a little bit. So we would go play away, and there'd be some mm-hmm. fans, but it was it was really weird. And then. Um... Obviously, you get through that season, and you mentioned what happened after that in terms of just basketball, because then I want to get on to talking about your coaches and, and some of the people you've been around and how you got here today. Yeah. Um, so Coach Smart left for Marquette right after the heartbreaker in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we lost Coach Mart leaves, and then through a bunch of stuff, my I had nerve damage in my left leg, so that flared up. A coaching change, and just I was I was tired of not having a social life, and mm-hmm. I missed two years of college. And I said I want to try and figure it all out and try and salvage what I have left of college. So I said it's time that like I know nothing. I'm not going to go play pro and it's time for me to um, it's time for me to like, get going on wow. basketball career side. So um, I stepped away mm-hmm. and tried to figure out what's next. Okay. So, so um, I think it would be interesting to hear you talk about the, you know, the college experience, the big 12 experience. Um, what was a week like, like before, before COVID, um, you being obviously a preferred walk-on, um, being a part of the team. So why don't you take, every, take everybody through a game day? Like what's a game day when you're on the road, in school? Yeah, so on the road, in school, I guess I'll, I'll go with a, a, a weekday game because the weekend is just you fly up Friday. Mm-hmm. So if we played on Tuesday, we'd have, depending on – where we're going like if we're going to west virginia we're leaving like probably midday little evening but like we'll have a little shoot around before we're going through our game prep and then get on the plane fly to wherever we're going or drive to waco or fort worth and then get to the hotel go watch film go through scout and if you wanted to go get shots up at the their gym, you could. If I went, I'd re- be rebounding because, like, I know I wasn't shooting, so, like, I didn't need to. Um, and then go back. The walk-ons would do their homework because that's one of the big responsibilities of walk-ons. Of make sure you have good grades, keep up energy, and then wake up, team breakfast, like a really quick scout of like, hey, these are the things we really need to do. Shoot around, come back, eat lunch, hang out, be off your feet, go to the gym, get ready, play the game, and then hopefully you're stopping for milkshakes with a with a victory, and then you get back on the plane, land back in Austin, typically around eleven midnight. And the expectation is you're at your first class. Yeah, it's interesting. You, didn't, you didn't mention the class thing all but once, which is uh, sounded almost more like an NBA schedule. But that's the you know the the, the rigors of big time college athletics these days, um, and it hasn't really changed that much. But um, I want you to talk a little bit about mentorship, lessons learned, the teaching around. You mentioned some of the coaches that you've been around. Uh, things you learned from them and, and how how valuable that was and how that transitioned you out of intercollegiate athletics into traditional, probably more of a traditional last couple of years and then kind of how you got onto where you are. So tell us about some of the coaches you've been around and the lessons you've learned. Yeah, so my high school AAU experience was has been shaped by three people. It's TJ Ford, who was an 11-year NBA vet, won the Naismith trophy in texas his dad and his older brother i 
they were some of the first people outside my family to like really say like we like you're an unbelievable basketball player like we believe in you and i'm like oh okay this is really cool like i have this amazing support staff and they'd always be there for me where it, it was especially nice because tim ford who's tj's older brother was my au coach and my trainer that he knew my growth as a person and a basketball player. And then I had TJ who surrounded me with all these NBA players starting when I was 14 of like, these guys would be shocked of like the way I'm playing and pick up the way I'm working out. And they're giving me assurance that I had the confidence of any gym I walked into. I didn't care who was there. I felt like I was the best shooter in the gym and I probably wasn't, but they didn't need to know that. Like if, if we had a shooting competition, they would be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta take this kid seriously. So that was always cool. And then coaching coach smart was a great coach. Great. And one of the best human beings I've ever been around. He, one of the big things that I'll probably stick with for the rest of my life that I think transfers perfectly into the business world is, Life's hard. Basketball's hard. You got to get past hard. It's something that everything's got to do because winning, especially in the Big 12, is the best basketball conference, is not easy. And nothing mm-hmm. in basketball is easy. So once you understand it's hard and then you get past that point, uh, the rest is fun. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I've had... I mean, obviously, my parents have been great mentors of people who just have been working hard their entire lives and do whatever they could to help me and my sister and have that always support staff of, we believe we're going to help you and you're going to do it. And thankfully, I, I did something pretty cool for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then how did you kind of get to... Um your decision, like you get to the end. First of all, what did you, what was your major and, and how did the academics work out for you? And then how did you get to Columbia? So I was a communication leadership major at the Moody School of Communication. And I made sure to stay on top of my academics when I was playing because I, I would get yelled at enough for, you know, if I had low energy one day, if I messed up a drill, but I made sure the edge, the school side was, I was the righted ship was there, but um, yeah, I get into Columbia. It was probably last December, almost a year ago today. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was talking to one of my friend's dads and he said, have you ever thought about going to grad school? And I'm like, huh, hmm. no, like maybe I should learn more about the field I want to go into. Cause I was a communications major and I had one of, my friends from school in the program and he gave it, giving it amazing reviews. And I said, you know what? I'll, I'll apply. I'll see what happens. Like, and I got in and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm going to do this. And so mm-hmm. here I am today. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, cause you know, people talk about, I think, you know, when they think about walk-ons, they obviously think about Rudy. Um, well, some people do actually mm-hmm. have ever seen the movie Rudy. Um, Comparisons to experience, obviously, that was a little bit more extreme than what you went through. Um, but comparisons to being the guy at the end of the bench and, and 
the learning from obviously elite athletes sitting on the, the far end of the bench, including some pretty elite coaches. Um, what are some of the lessons you took away that you've now applied to, to what you're doing now from, from being part of that experience? Yeah. It's like kind of when you walk into a meeting and you know, you're not the smartest person there, but you have to act like you're the smartest person there. You mm-hmm. have to act like, you know, everything that's going on. And so I made it my job at the end of the bench of be crazy, be energetic, like pretty much be stupid. Like I, like I'm sitting on the end of the bench, I'm having fun and the TV sometimes would catch on to it. And I would get calls from my mom and my friends be like, like, what are you doing on the bench? Like, and I'm just like, I'm having fun with it. Like, like at the end of the day, like that's what you got to do. And I think I got to learn so much knowledge and information from our strength coach who's won national titles at Kansas and Yukon of this is like what's going on. Obviously I had to ask her some questions on Kansas and officiating, but I, I became friends with one of the referees and I became friends and like, I just would talk and a lot of players would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just trying to have fun, like mm-hmm. getting other guys heads. So I, I, that's the biggest lesson is have fun. Like it's, I did, I did all the scouting work. I was on the scout team. I knew I would call out plays. I would call out if we were going to get three straight stops, which was a big deal for us. And it's, it's the little things that add up where it's, yeah. Hey, don't forget on this one play, like whatever defense we're in, we got it. We got to really emphasize and do it. Cool. Mike. Yeah, I guess my question for you is looking at kind of the leaders you've been around, not just the coaches, but your dad as well, because he's been obviously a leader in that kind of thing. What what has made you now think about your role as a leader maybe in sports or if you had thought about leadership in sports because you did communications and leadership in college? Talk about leadership and just the idea of you being a leader maybe in the future. Yeah, I have to talk about my dad, but I also have to throw TJ into that because he told me when I was 13 like you're a point guard and I'm like I can't handle the ball and he's like that's not what a point guard does a point guard's a leader and so he he taught me that everyone that comes into his gym and everyone who learns from him is a point guard he's everyone on that court is a leader and you can't have enough leaders on a court and I'm thankful that my dad does leadership for a living really and I get to follow him around Mm. yep he's a really cool consulting firm Mm-hmm. And so I, I have a, my dad told me when I was 10, like you're a leader on my, on our little church league basketball team down the street of like, you're, you're the leader of this team. And I said, okay. And I act like a leader, but he said I wasn't. So I've been told I've been a leader my whole life and I'm going to tell the same thing to my kids and everything of like, you're more than a basketball player, you're more than a student, you're more than a friend, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. And that's plain and simple. So, so what does it mean to you, uh, Andrew, when someone says you're a leader? What, what, when you close your eyes or TJ Ford says to you or your dad or Shaka Smart says to you, you're a leader, uh, what are the things that, that you're able to kind of pull away from that when you close your eyes and think about what that looks like? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I played on a team with, I think, six or seven guys that are in the NBA, G League, or in Europe. I was probably never the most vocal on that team because I got these guys who were 
freak athletes, freak NBA players who are incredibly smart, some even smarter than me, which I took not so kindly. But I, it's someone who's doing the right thing, even when it's a little hard of, hey, it's COVID. All your friends are going out for one of your good friend's birthday, but you can't because you got to, you, you have a responsibility of, or you're going to be the one to get COVID to take your team off national television and potentially get a forfeit game. Like I, you don't want to take that risk. It's, it's someone who, I mean, it's, it's a little set picking someone up off the floor. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple more questions. One is, uh, when you look now for leadership, um, who are, other than the people you've already mentioned, who are some of the people that you say, man, those are the people I want to aspire to be and why? Give us two. Ooh. Um, I mean, I don't know him, but there's people like Russell Westbrook okay. who everywhere you go is everyone you talk to is he's just an amazing teammate and he he's going to do what he needs to do for the betterment of the team. Um Tell us about your first semester. What did you learn? Um, who did you learn from? Um, and and what, what surprised you most about coming to Columbia? Yeah, first semester was great. I was in Professor Lincheski's class. I was with Professor Connolly for marketing. I was with Professor Rosner for foundations, which me and Mike had a lot of fun in. Um, and then I was with Professor Variali for law. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I learned that this is a very complex industry. It's not so black and white, which is what I thought it was. It's okay. It's sports salary caps and franchise tags and all that stuff. But no, it's, there's a lot of other stuff that I was just shocked to learn, whether it was media deals, how leagues are run, um, all the precedent cases that keep popping up in sports. So when we have a school like Michigan where I'm like, oh, that's why I know I know why their lawsuit's not going to pass because of a precedent case that I had to brief. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, everyone in this program's great. All the professors are great. All the kids are great. And I've truly just loved it and loved getting to more to know more about sports. Mm-hmm. Last question for me. Uh, you were at the beginning of NIL. Um, obviously it's grown Mm -hmm. from a student athlete perspective, being at a D one school for the time that you were there, what do you think of NIL? Do you think it's working? Do you think it's got to change? Uh, where do you think it's going to go? I think NIL is great. And that a lot of people flinch when I say that, but I think it's great for the kids because I mean, if you're doing great things, like you should be able to monetize yourself. My my issue is starting to get like the transfer portal plus NIL. That's mm-hmm. my concern with it. Of it makes it way more of a free agency and poaching people, which I don't like. But I think NIL is good. I think I'm cautious to say that where we're headed is a good place for college sports with more TV deals, having kids play in LA and then have to fly to Iowa, then have to fly to New Jersey to play the big 10 schedule. 
I wish there was a way that football could just break apart, but I think mm-hmm. and I, I think overall just NIL is a good thing mm-hmm. for everyone if used correctly and not used right. to poach players from different schools and stuff like that. But and I think for the women's game, it's great. Yeah. Um, you mentioned kids. And, and when you talk about kids. It's uh, weird. You know, it's weird that I said kids. Yeah. Because it's not, th- these are, you know, young, young professionals. They are literal professionals who are having tremendous pressure putting on them. And, and now the dollar value and the time management and, and where all that goes. So, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but it's always good to get the perspective of someone who's kind of been in the locker room versus the people who are outside kind of looking in, trying to figure out how that circle tightens up. Um, last question uh, I have for you is we started this recently. Um, it's called what's on your shelf. And as people won't see this cause we only do audio, but you've got a lot of stuff on your shelf. So, if you turned around or if you close your eyes, what's the thing on your shelf that you treasure the most and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, my Big 12 championship rings on that shelf somewhere. There you go. Uh-huh. That, that's, that's probably that's something I love. Um, uh, you got a lot of stuff. Hockey helmets. Football helmets. Yeah, that, that was a that was a, that was a Halloween costume year. Um, Bobbleheads. So. Football helmets. Bobblehead, yeah, yeah. I, got, I got some trophies and some stuff. Yeah. I yeah. I'm a fan, of, but I think the championship rings the the winner. Cool. cool. My name um, my name's actually misspelled on it, but that's even better. It's still shared. So it makes it even more yeah. neat. Um, Mike, exactly. you got a parting thought um, for Andrew before we let him go. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've gotten to know and be a lot of classes with Andrew. So the, the one thing I've enjoyed, I think, talking to him is he's a great knowledge of just kind of applying the athlete to the business world together very well. And I think it's interesting to hear more about the experience because I've already knew a bunch about it because we, because being basketball guys, we talked about it, but just want to obviously just appreciate him for letting everyone else know in the program or you know, people that follow the program more about his experience. Cool. Um, so Andrew, going from Hook'em Horn, Horns to Roar Lion Roar, uh, thank you for kind of joining us on this episode of the Cusp Show. Once again, you've been listening to the Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito uh, with Mike Shredder sitting in for my co-host Tom Richardson, our guest. Uh, Andrew joined us from uh, the University of Texas is now in our program. Uh, it was great to hear you talk about NIL, everything from NIL to you know the walk-on experience and how you kind of got to where you are. Uh, but uh, we want to thank you once again for joining us. Yeah, thank you again.